Okay, college baseball fans, we are back after a 10-day hiatus. Kind of weird. Usually we do these like, what, twice a week, three times a week, and took a little break. Not, not a purposeful break because we were out doing baseball content, but the podcast schedule kind of got interrupted when I made that trip to Omaha. Couldn't really podcast in a Super 8 hotel. <laughs> Dimitri's in, yeah, in, in I Italy. Mean, dude, our schedule, our schedule, like we made sure our schedules lined up during the season. But once Omaha came around and you left and you were out and about, I just lost track of like my schedule. I was doing other stuff, and it was just like, dude, dude, let's just do the podcast later. Let's just let Omaha get juicy a little bit, and then we'll get back at it. Yeah, and I think like one thing that makes us great and why a lot of people like us is we do countrywide college baseball content. So like there's always a lot to talk about, whether it's talking East Coast, West Coast, South. There's so many games going on. We always try to find like the biggest games and you know hit on those. But in Omaha, I mean, there's one, two games a day. Now we're going to one game a day. Everybody's watching on TV. Everybody sees what's going on. Really and nothing. I don't want to... Yeah, there's really nothing much like we need to break down more. So like the podcast was hard because the schedule was weird. We're six hours apart. I was in the middle of America. Omaha games were late as shit. Yeah, Omaha games were so late. And when I got done with the games, I wanted to go explore downtown. And we're definitely going to get in on that. But, I mean, I apologize to all the fans. We haven't been posting, you know, two or three podcasts this week. But you guys are seeing what's going on. Dude, you don't need to apologize. I'd rather go to the bars too and drink with Barstool Mincy than go to your Motel 8 and get on a mic. Exactly. Like, dude, get out of here. <laughs> I'm going downtown. Yeah. So on this episode, we're going to break down my Omaha experience. We're going to break down what's going on in Omaha and then some funny stories like about the, the media passes. It just keeps getting better. And we, we haven't announced any of this yet, but um, we have a, I have a funny, funny story about the, the press pass, yeah, media pass. And it was big on social media and it kind of backfired on us. But overall, I'll, I'm going to I'm going to talk about the Omaha experience first, because it was 100 percent wonderful. I mean, it was you couldn't ask for anything better. Omaha is a baseball city. Everything's within a mile radius of each other. So you can walk anywhere. The stadium itself sits downtown. You have bars and ho- um, hotels and restaurants and vendors with all the tents and the beer garden. Like there is just so much to do within that mile radius. And it feels like there's 35,000 people there at all times, no matter what time of day. And I met a ton of people there, met a lot of our listeners and followers on Twitter. I got to hang out with the Barstool crew who really, really likes us and likes what we do. And of course, we're fans of theirs. Did some collabing there, bet on some sports. And our poor guy, Ben Mintz, <laughs> poor, poor guy, Ben Mintz is the coldest college baseball gambler in all time. And I think he's like one in nine in the college world series. And it's funny because what Barstool is doing is they're really grasping on this college baseball fever that everybody has. So you have Dave Portnoy with 2.5 million followers and you have big cat with 2 million followers or whatever he's at. And they're tweeting about college baseball, which is helping us grow at 11.7 because more fans are involved. And what was so cool to me, Dimitri, was we, I, I hung out with Ben Mintz a lot, like probably over 20 hours in like a four-day span. And everybody would come up and they would say what's up to Mincy and be like, you're the guy that does 11.7. Like, I, I listen to your podcast or I follow you guys on Twitter. You guys are great for the game. People here in Omaha love you. Like, keep doing what you're doing. So it was all refreshing. Um, college baseball, it just has so much momentum. Wouldn't you agree? 
Like it feels like a sport think, that's just exploding in popularity. Tell me if I'm wrong here. I think I see the story every year, like between February and let's say, let's say end of May. College baseball guy is fans. It's got is every returning fan. When June and June rolls around, when you got your regional, super regional, and then Omaha, it's like a huge wave of just like people that come and then they go back into their uh, closet, like Kyle it's, Peterson it's does. It's very similar to like March Madness, college basketball when it starts like, in November. Get, yeah. You have your college basketball fans that love it and hype it up, and then once like conference tournaments start rolling around and the NFL season's over, and then you got March Madness, the NCAA tournament coming up. People just fall in love with it and just go all out for those couple weeks or a month at a time. They, yeah. And so college baseball is something very similar, which I'm not opposed think, against. No, no. I think I think the postseason, we need to keep growing the postseason because that's where all the magic happens. Exactly. But you, I get, think, you get people interested in Omaha, and then the next year they're like, hey, you they, know what? College baseball yeah. was fun. Let me, pick, let me keep up with this a little bit during the season exactly just so right. I know more about these teams. And it sucks because the college baseball offseason is so long. Of course, they play summer ball and they have little fall ball schedules now. But seven and a half, eight months without college baseball kind of sucks. People forget about it. And, like, you can't build on the hype. And that's kind of why in the past we've disappeared in the offseason. Just because we kind of compare it to, like, a band that goes on tour for three or four months and then disappears for a year. Or and like it's a like, rapper that's dropping an album. Yeah, or like a rapper. About it a week before. Yeah, and then like a week before, we will make it, or I guess a few weeks before, we'll make a little like tweet and just say like, hey, we're back. And then people get all pumped up and hyped up about college baseball again. So I think we're in a good routine here. Of course, we would love for college baseball to be a year-round thing, but there is such something magical yeah, yeah. about just, into June, just putting all your chips on the table and going all in and having just millions and millions of fans getting like involved in the sport that we love. So think uh, about it, Ben. We've been going at it for four months now. Yeah. And like, like, <laughs> it's like, it, it, it's long. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like, like the text we had the other day with each other where you're like, dude, are, are, you, are we getting burned out on college baseball? Is that why we're not doing the podcast? And it was like, no, they were not burnt out on it. It's just like there's so much attention going around the game that like we have 12 different things we're trying to do at once. And there's only one or two games going on at a time. So there's only so much we can do. Um, but I think for me, I think for me, like. It's the same thing every year. Once like we're halfway through Omaha and there's only like four, six, eight teams left. You're starting to say, wow, like I'm not as intrigued, but it's not as intrigued in those specific games but it's intrigued in the whole sport overall it's like it's coming down to the end yeah and, you and start, it's sad. And you, like we posted the tweet last night on twitter that was just like you know what sucks is the season's over a week from today like next wednesday maybe even next tuesday the season will be over and then kids go off and, and enjoy their summers playing summer ball and like it just ends so abruptly but but it, but I think it's time we end the sappiness in this um, podcast. I think it's time to bring the energy back in here. It's let's time to it. turn the volume up. <laughs> let's, let's crank this up. So I want to tell this funny story about the media passes because wholeheartedly, this is exactly what went down. People obviously saw it on Twitter because it went viral. 
Um, I applied for some media passes just like I did in 2019 for the College World Series. And in 2019, we got approved. And then this year, um, we got denied at first. And I was thinking, you know, it's kind of weird that we got denied. Like, of course, I, I took it a little personally, I guess. Like, man, they don't respect us. But at the same time, I thought it was funny. I thought it was good because I knew we had such a strong fan base and, and passionate followers. And I was like, you know, at like end of the day, like I don't need a media pass. Like I'm not going to go interview players and do all this stuff. Like I want to go as a fan, but I decided to put it on Twitter. And when we put it on Twitter that we got denied, it was like, I mean, it was like a swarm of bees. Our followers were just like tweeting at the NCAA uh, NCAA College World Series, like these guys deserve it. They're helping grow in the game. They make the game exciting. I didn't even like college baseball until I followed them on Twitter. Like their podcast is the best, blah, blah, blah. Like just so many different, like great compliments. And it was refreshing to see. I was so, so pleased by it. Was. It, 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 was good. it felt good to see people like right. appreciate the time and effort and the work we put in because. And it was, it wasn't I mean, like our normal, like, I mean, we probably not a job. Like, yeah. It's not our job. It's, it's just, it's job. like a hobby or a passion or a yeah. whatever that it's we have for the game. We, we just want yeah. to share it. Exactly. And so like, we have like a really good, like maybe hundred or 200 followers that always interact with our tweets and always like, you know, pump us up. But there was people from like who we don't even follow and they don't even follow us that were tweeting at the NCAA college baseball account. Just saying like, no, like I love these guys. They're, they're great for the sport. Like this is not right. Like they deserve it. And I mean, it made me feel so good just because, we do put a lot of time and effort into these podcasts. We put a lot of time into covering each and every uh, big moment throughout the college baseball season. And so it was good, but just like every storybook and every movie, there was a little twist that, that occurred that I did not share on social media. And I'm not even sure if I'm supposed to share it, but within 24 hours, I got an email saying that, Hey, you don't you have to go are, all the way into the details. Yeah, just I'm not going to go all the way into the details. Spark note it. Spark note it. Yeah. So just spark note it. Yeah. So I got a, like less than 24 hours later, we got approved and we posted on Twitter and blah, blah, blah. And uh, it was awesome to see. It, it really made me feel like, like, okay, like the Twitter response was good. Our fans did this. We had a lot of people reach out to me, like personally via DM or text message saying, like, hey, I put in a good word for you. One of those guys, Kendall Rogers at D1 Baseball, who, who likes us a lot and thinks we're good for the game. He DM'd me and just said, Hey, I put in a good word, said you guys deserve to be credentialed. Well, fast forward another, like maybe 10 to 12 hours, I get an email from somebody who was in charge of granting the press passes, the media passes. And he was not happy at all. He like literally was very pissed at us. And not us, me. He was pissed at me because Dimitri had nothing to do I was about to say, because I didn't yeah. really do any of this. I've been yeah. listening. He wrote me a very strongly worded email just saying, basically, I approve this not because I fell into what was going on on social media, which, again, I don't think was bad. I don't think anything we said or did was bad on social media. We just drew awareness to it. And he was basically like, you better post this on Twitter. And he was like, don't let this happen again. This is a bad look for you. Blah, blah, blah. And so I went to try to find this guy when I was in Omaha. It was very hard to get a hold of someone that works for the NCAA. And like, of course, like I felt bad, just like me and my personality. I felt terrible because I was like, I'm putting this guy in a hard position. Like, of course, he didn't deny us because he didn't think we're good for baseball. He just didn't see us like as a 
recognize college baseball writing or uh, internet thing. Like he just thought we were social media and he, I don't know. He wrote me a very, very strongly worded email just saying, don't let this ever happen again. Like this is a bad look for you. Um, either just let you know, here are the guidelines. There's no going to be no video in the, in the stuff. You're not gonna be able to interview players, blah, blah, blah. Like we will give you a, a press pass though. And so end of the story, I wanted to apologize to him in person. Couldn't find him. I wrote him an email apologizing saying, you know, listen, we're not trying to, you know, make this a difficult situation for you. Uh, it was a little immature of me to post it on social media. I understand that. But at the same time, I felt like we deserved to, to get a media pass because I think what we're doing is good for the game and we're bringing a whole new audience to it, a younger audience. And, and I guess that's the end of the story, but so can I give like, so after listening to you say that, where he basically wrote you the strong word email and basically said, it's not a good look for you. You know what I think of when I hear that is more of like, this guy took an offensive approach to your offensive approach. So you went on the offense, you blasted them, not blasted, but you put publicly showed that they were denied us, whatever. He went on the offensive on his side to basically say, you messed up. He didn't apologize and say, hey, you know, we went through, we overlooked your thing, blah, 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 blah. He went on the offense to make you feel bad for it, making him look bad. So I think it's not necessarily a bad look. I think it was more of, whoa. Like, yeah. and like called this out on it. We never made him look bad. We just put him in a hard position because – yeah. Like, because what he ended up doing was he ended up granting us um, media passes. Like he got us approved within 24 hours, but I'm, sure, I it was have, a, I'm sure it was a headache for him to do it. Like he probably had to go through multiple different loops. And then like, he feels like he just got alpha. I get where he's coming from, but at the same time, I didn't want to be disrespected in like the NCAA's eyes and say like, Oh yeah. Like you're right, dude, we don't deserve it at all. Like, I still feel like very strongly about our work. And I was, I was a little upset, but like at the same time, I never put his name on social media. I never no, no, put never, anybody's never. name. And it was just like, Hey, I put a screenshot up that said we were denied um, a week before the college world series started. And like, of course, me, like, that's going to yeah. make somebody mad. Right. Let me ask you this. I find it hard to believe that he did. He gave you that path but it had nothing to do with the pressure that was on social media. I find it hard to believe that he did it and it had nothing to do with the pressure. Well, well I'm is, sure is that accurate? Happened. Yeah, no, that's accurate. I'm sure what happened was the, the poor little intern running the NCAA CWS account was probably just like, why are all these people DMing me or, or tweeting at me saying like, this is a joke, blah, blah, blah. I know the guy that, grants the media passes doesn't run that twitter account and he was probably contacted like 10 times like hey can you just like let these guys get media credentials so they can stop tweeting at me i'm sure that was probably part of it but he's a busy guy and i do respect him for his work he he does a lot with running the college world series and and I, I know he was probably just like, these guys are probably immature. They're going to be bad for college baseball. They don't need media passes because they're going to abuse the privilege. I'll tell you what, Dimitri, I, I can say confidently, I did not abuse the media pass credentials in any way. The only thing that I did was they had free drinks upstairs, like water bottles, Cokes, like Powerades. I grabbed some, from, some drinks, of course, because it was hot as balls out there. And I also uh -huh. used one of the outlets to charge my phone between games. Besides that, I was never in the press box. I never 
talk to any player in uniform. I didn't talk to any coaches in uniform. I didn't go around making a fool of anything. Nobody there so, knew, knew do you I was think there. Maybe, do you think maybe he thought, why would I give – I don't know if there's a limit of how many passes you can give out. I think I this year no there idea. was. I think this year there was because of COVID. So maybe that's why he was like – maybe that was part of his thing. Like, hey, I don't know – I don't expect you guys to do a whole lot of true journalistic work. So maybe he thought he wanted to give it to someone more deserving. I don't know. But, hey, yeah, well, no, you didn't make it. The, one of the other issues was that there were a lot of local, like, TV markets. Like, let's say, for example, and and for the University of Virginia. WSD yeah. Lincoln or something. Like, yeah, maybe there was – or not even Lincoln, but, like, maybe close to the universities. Like, they wanted to have video passes and interview passes and all this. Like, I don't – I think, honestly – like for someone who doesn't like if for the the media outlets that don't cover the game uh, hardly at all if any and then show up there and say like hey I want media passes to get interviews from my local radio station. You know, a lot of these people hey why do people don't know what the hell they're talking about anyway. So like they can cry me a river though. Like I will say this so. Yeah. It pisses me off when some of these people apply for media passes they do that and then they make these comments they quote these like what a quote from a player but they don't really know what the quote actually means because right. you can't just jump in, follow, and, and understand the little ins and outs of what people say or why this picture was used or a big play this guy made, probably the hundredth time he's done that or whatever. You got to follow the whole season to be a true journalistic info person. Yeah. And so when you hand out some of these things and they go say anything, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah, and they don't know what kind of questions to ask. And, of course, it's their job, and, like, they want those media credentials so they can perform their job. I get that. It is. But, that is their job. But when it, when it comes to – I mean, it, I'm, I guess we're going to wrap this up pretty soon because I don't want to talk about this forever because I'm kind of getting no, fired up. But no, if, no, like, no. At the end of the day, I know why we were denied. It was because that we weren't, like, a official college baseball writing association member, and we do a lot of stuff on social media, so it could be covered virtually. but. At the same time, the, with our with our following and our fan base and our style of college baseball coverage, there was nobody else there that like with media credentials that do what we do. So it adds a different twist. And I wish we weren't kind of handcuffed in like what we could and couldn't do because I would love to interview players and love to interview coaches and go on the field and things like that. But I wasn't trying to push the envelope. I, I wanted to be like respectful for everything because. It's a it's a really cool event, and I didn't want it to make about myself, but it, it's just like it, it's a double edged sword. There, I mean, there's no right answers, but what I really wanted to say was for our listeners and our fans on social media, thank you to you guys because you guys made that possible. And I would have survived without media passes, but it was much cooler wearing a name tag that said "Been Up to Eleven Podcast." Yeah, and it was it was fun, and and it helped me get like interact with our fans and listeners because they were able to point out who I was because I was wearing a media credential with 11.7 on it. People were like, oh, you're the guy. Like, thank you. Like, you, you, you guys do amazing work. Like, thanks for growing the sport and whatever. But anyway, anyway, let's, let's get into the actual game play on the field. Let's do it because that's what I'm excited about. And man, dude, when so game one was Stanford and NC State. And I'm sitting with – um with Ben Mintz from Barstool watching the game. It's hot as hell. I, it was 106 degrees or whatever it was. Are you like, blaming the heat on why you guys uh, were so off? Yeah, and I'm getting there. So 
I mean, the, the heat, the heat in Omaha is incredible. Like I I've lived in the South my whole life and good God, man, it was just a different kind of heat. Like I had ass sweat just from waking up in the morning. It was terrible. And so I'm the, the day before at the Barstool Sportsbook, um, you know, Barstool wanted to kind of promote us. Like Ben Mintz really wanted to promote us. I did his little video segment he does and he kept tagging me and we did a few videos together. It was cool. It was cool to see like Barstool seeing our success and saying, you know what? We want to pr promote these guys. Who knows what we have in store in the future? Um, it, there's a possibility that um, we might be working or doing podcasts for them in the future. Not 100% sure. Not, I don't want to talk about that too much. But so the night before, I bet on Stanford. I won uh, at the sports book. I won a bet for the basketball game, and then I bet on the Astros. So I was up like 150 bucks, and I was like, you know what? I think Stanford's going to win. They have Brandon Beck on the mound. Like he's going to shut down NC State. I think NC State's going to be cooled off after a big week against Arkansas, and it was completely wrong. NC State one through nine has dudes in their order, and they like the first inning. Johnny Barrels put one to right field home run two nothing instantly for NC state off, off Brandon Beck. And they just kept scoring runs and like Stanford just couldn't barrel any balls up. It was a completely different team than what we saw in, in Lubbock the week before. And I was like, dang. And so me and Mincy are talking about our next bets. The night game was Vanderbilt and Arizona. I said, you know what? I'm riding with Arizona. Like I like the way they swing it. I think they're going to get to Kumar and the first five innings. I was right. Like they hit Kumar really well. I thought Arizona's like approach to the plate played well at TD Ameritrade. And I thought the Vanderbilt's approach was not good just because they're used to hitting home runs all year and it's hard to hit a home run there. But of course, Vanderbilt comes back, takes a lead. Arizona ties it. They go into 12 innings. It was an incredible game as most of the people watched. And it was just yeah. like between innings eight and 12, I didn't breathe. I think I might've breathed like six times. And, and it was just like always on the edge of your seat. Um, and the crowd there was incredible. That stupid Vandy Whistler was just going at it. And it was just the most incredible college baseball atmosphere ever because the the Arizona fans were were packed there. We were sitting in the Arizona section. They're loud party animals drinking beers. And you got the private school Vandy fans over there just clapping along to the Vandy Whistler. Um, and every pitch meant something. And like I still get goosebumps thinking about it because you could not have – put me in a better position in my life than sitting watching a night game 75 degrees kumar rocker versus arizona's offense and it was just it was one for the ages so um after the game we, we walked out of the stadium and the streets were flooded in omaha with people so many different people i mean there was players from other teams there hanging out there was coaching there coaching staffs there just everybody interacting with everybody um, and there was concerts being played like every, there was a line to anywhere you wanted to go. The Ubers were like 40 bucks to go a, a mile down the road. It was, dude, it was just an overall incredible experience on that Saturday night. That's awesome. Yeah. And so moving into Sunday, I'm excited to watch Tennessee play Tony Vitello leading the squad. First time there since 2005 and Tennessee just got waxed by Virginia. Waxed. And wax. It was one of those I bet on Tennessee. So I'm already 0 2 betting. Dude, baseball. I had, I had Tennessee winning the whole damn thing. I know. And I, it kind of felt like they were going to be the team that was going to be the most ready for it. 
And now that like Arkansas was out of the tournament, you got to look at Tennessee as like possibly the favorite to win it all. And um, it was one of those when I got to the stadium and watched both teams warm up, I instantly got a like a knot in my stomach. And I was like, you know what? Andrew Abbott's on the mound. Virginia looks sharp. Like they look comfortable here. Bro. Tennessee was kind of uptight and they just singled Tennessee to death. I mean, Virginia's plate appearance, like plate uh, discipline was incredible. And they didn't try to do too much, man. They just like sprayed singles all across the field, which is what you have to do. And Tennessee made a couple errors, I believe, like early in the game. Chad Dallas was getting hit around. And then, boom, Logan Michaels comes up and hits his first home run of the year. And it was so funny because I was looking on the scoreboard and I was like, dang, dude, like this guy's been an everyday starter. He's got zero home runs, like no pop. Sure enough, as I'm like talking to myself about it, he hits a bomb and I'm like, uh oh. And then I posted a tweet and I was like, people around Omaha are starting to murmur. Like, is Virginia the team of destiny? They looked good. They looked real sharp. And um, then, of course, we had the, the night game after that, which was incredible. Will Bednar and Ty Madden dealing it out together. Shout out to Will Bednar because we've kind of been harsh on him on the show a couple times. He went out there we and had, have. what, 15 punchies and in six innings? Just Texas could he, not he, hit. He carved, he carved their ass up. Car, I mean, I mean like, and then Ty Madden, Ty Madden did well, I, too. I knew Texas. Like, okay. Like, when you look at the pattern of the, how teams are playing, NC State, they rolled through Arkansas. They were battle tested. They won that. Mm-hmm. And then you look at Vandy. Vandy is Vandy. They've got the best one-two punch in the country. So you figured Vandy was going to win the first one and against Arizona. You just thought Arizona. I didn't think Arizona had the pitching to win it late. Right. And it, and it ended up being true. I mean, I think I went three and one in my picks in the first four games. But when I when you think of Texas, they beat Fairfield in the regional championship. They played USF. They blew the lead. They tied it, and then they ended up winning it. A bunch of people were tweeting at me, oh, they're Texas, not impressive. They scored like 12 to 4. And I'm like, but listen, baseball, you look at the first six, seven innings of the game, but then, and then you just look at a box score. You don't really know what happened in the game. Right. USF was close with them. Fairfield was close with them until they just, their bull, they just don't have the bullpen depth. They don't have the lights out guys to, like exactly. South Florida role that they didn't have a guy like a Kevin Cobb or a Landon Stim or you know or even a Steven Schotch or yeah. like they don't have electric guys. So when you look at Texas, they were not impressive. No. You cannot argue with me that Texas impressed you in their run to Omaha. So I thought, you know what, they're gonna get to Omaha. These are the best eight teams in the country. I don't think Texas is one of them, and it, it, it showed. And, and, dude, kind of piggybacking off that, I don't think the Big 12 was very good this year. And we've talked about it on social media a lot, and I think maybe on the podcast before I went to Omaha, about how the Big 12, I mean, but other than Texas's cakewalk to the College World Series, I mean, Texas Tech looked terrible against Stanford. Oklahoma State got smacked around in the Arizona Regional. Um, you had TCU losing their own regional. And – was that the only four teams that made it? Yeah. Because Baylor was one Baylor of the Baylor was the out. first team out. Yeah, one of the first four out. And so I'm like looking like, okay, the Big 12 has one team here, but it was the easiest road by far. Um, and, what I mean, they struck out 21 times in a nine-inning game against Mississippi State. I mean, granted, it was to Will Bednar, who when he's on, 
he's pretty much untouchable. And then Landon Sims, I mean, who's been a round pick. Yeah, and and Landon Sims, who's untouchable even on a bad day. So, other than the one home run they hit in the ninth inning off Landon Sims, like I wasn't impressed with Texas. Now, Texas showed me a lot against Tennessee. They they hit the ball well, but Tennessee isn't doesn't have great pitching. I think it's safe to say. Oh. <laughs> Tennessee did not look like the same team outside no, of Lindsay. They looked like they had that their team tails at home with not the same team in Omaha. They, they didn't have that confidence and swag oozing out of them. And I mean, dude, it's hard to, it's hard to take control of a stadium of 20,000 people and your fans, you only have maybe 2,000, 3,000, or 4,000 of, of them are yours. It's hard to put them on your side. It's hard to have the majority of the stadium on your side in a neutral place. Yeah. So Tennessee didn't have that. They didn't feed off that because there were so many times this year that they should have lost game. I mean, dude, Rice State had them on the road. Their yeah. crowd and being at home won them that game for sure. And and dude, so, some like one I of my thought about that. One of my and this is like a crazy statement here, but it's kind of proven a little bit true. I think the SEC has a big disadvantage playing in Omaha because. A lot of the SEC ballparks are hitters' ballparks. You look at Mississippi State's or Ole Miss or Tennessee's or Vanderbilt's even. A lot of those are hitter ballparks where they, they can sit back and try to jack home runs. The SEC in the, in the, uh, in the College World Series, there's been a lot of deep flyouts um, to the warning track balls that didn't quite carry. Happened to Tennessee a lot. Happened to Mississippi State a lot before Dude, they turned it on last game against Virginia. I can't tell you how many times – I was just going to add on. I can't tell you how many times – I saw a deep fly and said, oh, that would have been gone at the dude. Yeah, that was 100%. gone at Noble. And so you look at the teams that have a lot of success. It's like NC State and Virginia. Um, and then in the past, I mean, Coastal Carolina comes to mind. Like, they just have a lot of dudes that hit line drives all over the ballpark. Uh, Florida's team in 2017 was a lot like that. Like, they didn't – they had Pete Alonzo who hit – It's, 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 it's all runs, about but, team that don't strike out much and they barrel up balls. Yeah, so, and and so – I mean, we've seen Vandy struggle hitting the ball. Um, I mean, they got shut out against NC State. I mean, they, they put up six or seven runs against Arizona. But And then last night, the game where Vanderbilt came back and won against Stanford, they didn't – I mean, they hit those two home runs, which would have been bombs anywhere. But there were still a lot of deep flyouts. And so I think SEC teams have a big disadvantage in Omaha just because, one – the field is much bigger than what they're used to playing on. And so a guy with 15 home runs, maybe have only had like, maybe would have only had like five or six in a TD Ameritrade. And then two, like stadium size. Yeah. They're used to playing in big stadiums, but they're used to playing in big stadiums with like their home crowds there um, where it's 14,000 of one team. Yeah. If you play Virginia not playing in front of 14,000 ever. Yeah. Right. And, and so, I don't know when you split the stadium up and it's like a 50 50 crowd, it's just a little different. I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm making stuff up, but, but it's not even 50 50. It's like 25 25 and then 50% neutral. Neutral, just right. And that's what thing. a lot of it was. I mean, you had your big, I mean, other than Mississippi State, who probably traveled, oh man, there's there was tens of thousands of them there. Um, but like, they I had, thought they had, they had the most fans there by far. Was it by noticeable? Far. Yeah, by far. Um, like Tennessee, I thought had a ton. And then when the game started on Saturday, when I went to, I mean, they had a good amount of fans, but it was nowhere near to fill up even like that side of the stadium. And what about NC State, in, dude, I, that's what I was gonna say. NC State's fans shocked the hell out of me. There was there was more NC State fans there than Tennessee fans, uh, and I was shocked because the, the, that side of the stadium was filled up and they were rowdy. 
and um i'm trying to think of any other fans like texas brought a lot of fans but texas and stanford were very similar the average age for a stanford fan was like 70 years old they were just old dudes and old girls uh and of course they had some younger people but a majority of them were old texas was the same way a lot of older fans that you know you They've probably been to 30 of Texas's 37 college world series appearances just because yeah, of how yeah, old yeah, they yeah. were. And so like, they weren't as rowdy. Um, I mean, of course, Mississippi state was the best fan. They were more there. retro baseball fan. Exactly. But I think you hit on it earlier. There's just a lot of Omaha people there that just go every single year. They adopt a team that they want to root for. And I mean, that, I mean, that was probably half of the fans there were just locals or just people like myself who were, you know, neutral that just wanted to watch some good baseball. Yeah. So going back to after now breaking all that down, I, I, I'm really mad at myself. And, and don't get me wrong, like picking Tennessee is not the worst pick ever, but I should have known better that when you take them out of Lindsey Nelson, because they had, they won way too many games there that their fans were a big part of. Yeah. So when if I I didn't think about it because honestly I had NC State losing the national championship to, to Tennessee yeah and I I I thought it was I thought Mississippi State I thought Virginia was going to match up really well against Mississippi State and they did and they did they just couldn't close it they just couldn't finish I thought Virginia matched up really well because they had the pitching and they had guys that just can put the ball in play and against Mississippi State and Omaha rather at the dude you want more power but in Omaha. You guys, you got because Landon Sim. If he, if you have a team, a lineup that can put Landon Sim in play, or you know, some of their starters, Sarantola or whoever, whoever, just throwing names out there, they match up really well against them. They had the pitching that throws strikes. I mean, dude, shout out to oh my god, what's his name for Virginia? Griff McGarry. Griff McGarry with you, dude. His postseason was one of the best in the country. He was electric. And, and against Old Dominion, guys, people that looked at the box score, they saw three innings, eight strikeouts, but he gave up like five runs. Those, all those runs came up after his finger, his pants were already covered in blood. Yeah. That guy was electric. That guy had Mississippi State beat. And, and you know what I love? The fan favorite, the Omaha favorite, the Barstool favorite, the social media, the celebrity on social media was Stephen Schatz. He was the one that blew the damn game. Right. And I was so surprised that they pitched. That's humbling it. experience, man. It's yeah. humbling as fuck, dude. Yeah. And I, felt, I felt bad for him just because, like, he, like, Steven Scott. I didn't he, at all. He put himself in that position. Of course, he's a funny, likable guy. But he was the guy that, like, everybody adopted. And it's just like, this guy is fun for college baseball. Uh, the closer for Virginia. And he comes in. I was surprised that they pitched to Tanner Allen because – of course, there's a base open, and you don't want to put the winning run on base, like the go-ahead run on base. But at the same time, I and mean, that's the SEC player of the year going against a sidearm righty who, in, in, in Tanner Allen's post-game interview, he said, yeah, I knew they weren't throwing me a fastball. I knew he lived and died by a slider. As a left-handed hitter myself, a slider coming from a sidearm righty might be one of the easiest pitches to hit if you're looking for it. I mean, it just floats in there right to your barrel. And, and Tanner Allen just clutch coming up clutch once again. And, and Rowdy Jordan, the bat at bat before it hitting the double, it was, it was confusing Dude. to see him. Bring, it was confusing to see Virginia bring in scotch to face Tanner Allen with a base open. 
at the very least, I mean, I would have left a lefty in there to face Allen. And if you walk him, whatever, you'll face the freshman on deck. Throw so, your right, throw your sidearm righty in there against the freshman. Hindsight is twenty twenty. You've got to ride your best guy. Yeah. And Shot was their closer. He was their bona fide go-to guy at the end of the game. But let's rewind here for a second. Every time you got on social media, you saw Shot taking pictures of people. This might be a boomer take, and I might regret <laughs> it, but I don't care. It, 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 there's a wholesome truth. When you go to Omaha as a, as to enjoy the experience, the game's going to humble you real quick. If you go to Omaha, sit in your hotel room, lock it in. When I mean lock it in, I don't mean sit there and watch tape. I mean sitting there, play video games with your teammates. Just sitting in your hotel room, not going around and taking pictures of people, doing interviews, all that stuff. I'm telling you, people, oh, people say, oh, it's not that big of a deal. It distracts you from what you've been doing for your first 56 games of the year. His first 10 games of the year, he wasn't doing any interviews. You're, he changed everything up, and the game ate him up. And I'm, I'm, it might be a boomer take. I don't think it is. I think it's just facts. When you go to Omaha, you, can't go, you can go to Omaha and enjoy your time. But if you want to win a national championship, you do what you did the first 60 games of the year. You sit yeah. in your hotel room. You go to your team dinner. You don't go sit and take pictures, do interviews, and soak up the off-the-field stuff. I'm not saying you don't, can't do it. I'm, I'm, there are plenty of people that have done it and also played well. But I would keep the odds in my favor, and I would not do all that stuff because the, that's the shit that happens. There, the baseball will put you in a position to expose you, not even expose the bad word, put you on the platform to either win or lose. Yeah. No, I, I, so, I disagree with some of what you're saying, but I agree with some of what you're saying too as far as like do, do what got you there, and then once it's over – then go out and have a good time and take pictures with fans and do these interviews. But I, I do see where you're saying that he got caught up in like the media tour almost like he went viral he had an incredible, funny interview that will go down as one of the best college baseball interviews of all time. And then he hey, goes, ben, it's one pitch, one pitch. And now we're going to, I'm going to remember that shot home run. Yeah. I'm not well, saying like if he did well, it again, he probably got him out, but it's one pitch and you have one pitch to remind fans to, if you're a hero or if you're a scapegoat, yeah. that's how base, how cruel now, he can is. always redeem himself. I mean, he's going to pitch tonight against Texas. And I mean, if he shuts the door there, like he, he redeems himself a hundred percent and it sucks for him. Cause I mean, if you're a closer, of course you don't care who you're facing anytime, no. any place, anywhere, anybody doesn't matter, but to come in out of the bullpen when your team has no momentum left anymore, like Mississippi state and their fans are going crazy. Cause they, they broke up the no hitter. They cut the lead in half. And you have to go face a left-handed hitter who was SEC player of the year, and you're getting told what pitches to throw, and they put down the, the number three signal for the slider, and he sits on it and hits it out of the ballpark. Like, some of that's not your fault. Like, you got put in that no, position. And, and, like, he threw a pitch that was going to be a strike. It wasn't like he was pitching around him. Like, he was going right after him. But do you not see what I'm – like, the, I feel like I've seen this story be written before. Yeah. Guy goes viral, guy becomes an instant fan favorite, guy comes in big situation, he doesn't win the moment. I feel like I've seen it so many times. <laughs> I'll tell you where you've seen it a lot, and this is this is kind of funny, like a funny connection here. I, I think it happens every single year in the Little League World Series. Like, Little it League does, World dude, Series. <laughs> the Little League World Series is a perfect example of this, where you watch them play their regionals, like the qualifier to get to the Little League World Series, and, and the kid is just like six foot, throws 95 
equivalent, hits a couple bombs to put his team in Williamsport, and he's going on a little media tour. And of course, he's 12 years old, so you can't look too far into it. No, you can't. But then no, he gets no, on no, the no. big stage, and he gets on the big stage, and then it's like, oh, like he just gave up six runs in two innings, or like he struck out every single time he's batted. Um, I feel like it happens every year in the Little League World Series, but yeah, I mean, it's too. hard. To, it's hard to handle the pressure. And of course, I've never been there, but think about it like this. Like MLB guys, they don't like doing media and like going viral and things like that, unless you're Trevor Bauer. Um, but most of you guys like stay away from the media because they're like, I don't want to get that in my head. Like I'm, I'm super exactly. good. Exactly. That, like, like I'll I'm do that stuff in the off season. I mean, even like, dude, perfect example is like, like our old teammate, Kyle Lewis, like he doesn't do media stuff hardly at all. Ever. Right? Like Ever. And he's told us multiple times, like, yeah, I'll come on the show, but like, he has to find like a good point in his like mindset and his routine to like, you know, do us a favor by coming on the show. Um, but like, even in the off season, like he does a little bit, but to be like a superstar at baseball, there's a lot of routine that goes into it. There's a lot of mental games that have to be played and it takes a certain special person to be able to do both. Like carry the media tour. Don't appreciate. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, we, I think we brought up some good points on that topic. But let's kind of preview the, the rest of the college. I, yeah, I was about to say, let's yeah. just go straight. I'm going to cut, cut and dry straight to point. Who is your, who is your national championship pick now? Uh, Mississippi State fans are going to hate me for this, but I'm going to say Mississippi State. I think this, is, I think this year is their year. Wait, I do, are, they, are they putting you in the same boat as Nancy? Well, I mean, I just – the Ben Upton jinx has been real for the tw- last 26 years, man. Like, it just <laughs> – I think I rubbed off on Ben Mintz, <laughs> to be honest I, with you. I, I can't go against NC State. I, I can't do it. I mean, they they just – dude, they can pitch. They can hit. And you want to know something cool that really caught my eye? And I don't know, like, how people would view this, but you know how when you look at the big league, you see a lot of Latin players, a lot of, like, diversity in the big yeah. league. NC State has a lot of diversity on that team. I feel like they have a little bit of a Latin mix. They have, like, the American players, and then they're, like, African-American players. They have a really good group of where you look what a success, baseball teams are. Right. And you don't see that in college too often. Yeah. I, you I know? It's the, it's the per- you don't see it. I think it's the perfect mix of, like, in their lineup, they have a perfect mix of contact hitters, power hitters, speed guys, um, and then defensively, like they're very fundamentally sound, and I like the NC State pick. But but I, I I was thinking more of like the the um the uh um not geography. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, ethnicity. Like we talk about what ethnicity? Yeah, yeah, but but like demographic demographics. Oh, demographic. Okay. The demographic build of NC State. Like I I like it because like you don't see too many Latin guys like like um Torres. Jose Torres. And then what's the the other guy to hit the home run against um, the solo home run against Vanderbilt? Um, Tatum. Terrell. Yeah. Terrell Tatum. So like, so like, I just loved it. I just loved to see like that mix of a whole bunch of background on one college base. You don't see it a whole lot. You yeah. really don't. It's. I mean, and yeah. I think I just I have a hard time going against NC State. I'm picking NC State. I'll tell you what. Like, it felt like to me the Omaha locals really adopted NC State. And as oh, their team. NC State. You know who else they have? They have a dude from Czech Republic. They yeah. They have a dude literally from czech republic so their their demographic build of that team is like no other they're very likable they're a very likable team with a very likable fan base and i think that's why the omaha people kind of made them their team this year because we have a ton of 
big name college baseball programs. There's no Cinderella stories, really. Uh, if you had to come up with a no, Cinderella story, maybe Virginia or maybe NC State. But those are both really good, really, hold really on, hold good on. baseball programs. NC State was a top 10 team preseason. That is not a Cinderella team. <laughs> right. Well, I'll tell you what, like, I feel like Cinderella wise, like their coach, like Coach Avant, he's been around the program for a long time. And he, uh, I mean, I think he deserves to win a national championship. I think, I think Mississippi State's in a, I mean, they're in the driver's seat as well. I think they're in a great shot to win it. I think I, I was kind of hoping for a Virginia NC State final because I thought that would have been just electric. But uh, I think a Mississippi State NC State will be a really good one too. I, I want to see an ACC school versus an SEC school. Whether I think that'd be perfect. Whether it's Vanderbilt versus Virginia or Mississippi State against NC State. Um, I, like, that's where my heart's at. Like, I want to see those two conferences because I've tweeted about it recently. Like, is the SEC Our final four? Was, was Wait. The, well, I, I was saying like an SEC team. Are they? Are they? Is the SEC kind of a fraud? Power like oh, conference? they're not a fraud. But come on, Ben, they're not a fraud. Uh, dude, the ACC looks really dang good. They man. are good, but that doesn't just because the ACC really good doesn't mean the SEC is a fraud. I, or maybe not fraud. Fraud's a bad word. I, I definitely regretted tweeting that because I got some tweets back that were. Well, I mean, think about it. If one if one conference is really good, doesn't make the other conference a fraud. Maybe they're just what both I'm saying really good. is like the they're separation really that people had in their minds was the AC, and I was guilty of it too. I, the SEC was so much better of a conference than the ACC. Well, when the postseason played out, they're very equal. Very equally Notre Dame talented. got robbed. That's what I'll tell you. Notre Dame got robbed. And I think, like, uh, uh, who was the other team? Uh, Alabama snuck in over Pitt. I think those teams are very comparable. I think Pitt, I think Pitt, they got robbed too. But going back to the thing, I mean, our final four is probably going to be NC State and Vandy, depending on how or tonight, NC State and Vandy. Mississippi State and Virginia. I don't know. I think Texas might win tonight. They could. They very well could. But I, you have, we have a chance to have a two ACC, two SEC team in your final four. That's, I think that speaks volume. No, it does. It for sure does. Um, and, of course, like the Pac-12 came in and laid an egg. Um, I guess Stanford. Laid laid, I think they just ran into some damn good pitching. I think on I paper think you really look at it and you say, I think you look at it on paper and say, man, that Pac-12 one and four, and the one win was against the other Pac-12 school. But if you look at it, Arizona should have easily beat Vanderbilt and Kumar Rocker yep. the first day, and then like Stanford should have very easily beat um, Vanderbilt again. Like Stanford should have beat Vanderbilt yesterday. They were down to the they last. Should they should have eliminated him. They should have eliminated him. That alone was crazy to me because I want to talk about that game. Of course, Stanford jumps out to a lead. That was it like six to two, and then it was. I no, picked Vanderbilt last night. Yeah, five I mean, two or six two. I have Stanford. Yeah, um, Stanford was wearing those black jerseys, man. You know how I feel about the black jerseys. I think they're uh, they're great. You got color. you were on you were on a trip there with those damn jersey colors. I, the first five what games is of the, the college World now? series. Hey, what's the record now? I think it's five and three now. It was five and zero. Oh. All right, so five and three. <laughs> that means it's irrelevant. If it was like seven and one, then it would have made it would have meant something. Yeah, it started five and zero. Oh. But yeah, I mean, let's talk about that Vanderbilt Stanford game from last night. And before we talk about it, every single night game that's been played so far has been a one run game and like very, very fun to watch games. So 
the night games have been incredible. I expect another great one tonight between Vanderbilt or sorry, Virginia and, te- and Texas. But going back to last night, Vanderbilt made a lot of key errors early in the game. Stanford took advantage of them. Vanderbilt was kind of slow starting. And of course that they, <laughs> um, of course they came back, but when it got to two strikes, two outs, bases empty, you have your dude on the mound, Brandon Beck, who's been lights out all year. And, you know, Vaz works the walk for Vanderbilt and the next batter hits an infield single with an error first and third. At that moment, I was thinking Vanderbilt's winning this game. You have Enrique Bradfield, who's a superstar in college baseball, comes up, hits a single, ties the game up first and third. And you just knew you just knew Vanderbilt was going to was going to squeak away with another win there. And the wild pitch that hurt around the world. Brandon By Baxter, the way, that pitch that pitch wasn't even freaking close. Wasn't that even pitch close. Was so bad. Yeah, and, and it sucks because I, Stanford deserved you to win that. The, game. You want to win the game like on a hit, earn it. Yeah, right. And so it it sucks for Stanford fans because I don't think they would have ended up coming through the losers bracket. But just to show the world, like the Pac-12 is a good baseball conference, uh, which I think they did, but. I don't know. Sure. Like Vanderbilt's one of those teams now where they're going to get Kumar Rocker throwing against NC State game one and then possibly Jack Leiter game two on Saturday. That's huh. depending on the depending. I, I, I'm not really sure how their their days or whatever. I'm not sure how many days it's been. I think Kumar will come back for sure. Right. Um, how about Leiter? Yeah, because they played Mon- Jack Leiter through Monday. So that would be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It'll be his fifth day of rest, four days rest. I think he goes. I think he pitches. But they have to win the Kumar start first. They have to win the Kumar start first. Um, but I guess previewing the, the weekend before we wrap things up here, we have a game tonight, and it's going to be a good one, Texas and Virginia. Texas is starting their closer. I'm not sure who Virginia's starting here today. Um, I imagine it might be like a relief guy like Neely. What or neck? What's his neck? I think his name is Neek, Neek. who had 16 yeah. strikeouts against Dallas Baptist or Old Dominion, Neek. whoever it was. Um, it was and, Old Dominion because that was the Griff McGarry start, right? Um, we have that tonight, and then tomorrow we roll in with two games again because we have Vanderbilt, NC State, and we also have the winner of tonight's game versus Mississippi State. And I kind of hope they both. I hope NC State and Mississippi State both lose. Tomorrow, just because oh, I want to see, want to see two winner take all. I want to see two winner take all games, and I, that would just be so good for the sport to have two winner take all games on a Saturday. Oof, I'm getting excited thinking about it. But hey, do you like? Let me ask you this: Do you think Omaha kind of dragged out or no? No, I, I like it. I like you it like because it, I, it allows I, I, the I, best I pitchers like the to get format. days off between between starts. I think baseball is just a sport where you have to deal with a more of an extended time. Yeah. But let me ask you this. What if you didn't have a three-game series for the final? What if the whole tournament was double elimination? No, I don't like that. I like a three-game series for the finals just because it puts both teams on an even playing field. You get to see the you best. Get your best product. And I, I see how best product. Because I like it. You get yeah, your best product and, in the end. And to kind of go back to what you just said about is it dragged out? Maybe it is, but at the same time, when you're nationally televising games, you want to see the best product on the field. So you want to see your best pitchers pitch and have days off between. Um, and you do not so, want to see a regional game seven. You don't want to see a 13 to 15 game with two guys throwing with seven ERAs 
that would just not be a good look. People would look down upon it, but, um, but, but that's, but I feel like that's also part of college baseball. It is. And, and it really plays a disadvantage to like some of the underdogs really. Um, just because like if they find the way in the loser's bracket, then it does get sloppy. And then that's when blowouts happen. Anyways, um, we'll, we'll finish up the podcast here on this one segment. Dimitri, you're, uh, you're cashed out until July 5th, right? Because you're about to go play a tournament in Lithuania. Yeah. yeah. Greek national team, Lithuania fighting for what? A, an Olympic spot or something? What are you doing? The European Championship. European Championships. So you guys have to win that your little Lithuania tournament to qualify for the European Championships, right? Yep. In nice. September. Yep. Now, are you going to be? Do you know what game for, you're pitching? Um, no, I don't know yet. I don't. I think I think I'm pitching the first game for sure. But for you, international baseball fans, if you are interested in watching baseball, uh, the Netherlands and Dominican play tonight. And then this weekend will be the final spot for the Olympics. There's one spot left for the Olympics. Venezuela, Dominican, and the Netherlands are all playing Ooh. this weekend for the final spot in the Olympics. Wow. Actually, I didn't even know that, but I will definitely be tuning in. Yeah, my roommate, my roommate is actually with the Netherlands now. They're in Mexico. Wow. And that so, Mexican baseball stadium is really cool, too. I, I think I know which one they're playing at. It's the one that they played in Puebla. In. Yeah. No, uh, Puebla. Uh, Never mind. Never mind. No, it's not. It's not the Monterey big one. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, for you international baseball fans, um, go to YouTube, type WBSC in, and it'll show up live there. I think they play like, um, six. No, yeah, they play. I think they play at like six or seven o'clock Eastern, um, tonight, tomorrow night, and the next night, um, for the final spot in the Olympics. So you guys want to check that out? Go ahead. It'll, it's really good baseball. Right, and so. He's going to be gone until July 5th. So the next podcast, I don't know if I'm doing ben, it solo. I don't ben, think I will. If you want to do it solo, I think you should do one solo if you want, or you can get Mincy on or whatever. That's well, I've already talked to Mincy about it. He said he's all for it. He wants to do it. But yeah, because, I mean, I, I, I don't care if you guys want to run a podcast solo. It doesn't bother me at all. Yeah, but we'll definitely figure something out. Maybe I do something where it's a, uh, Maybe oh, I wonder if you could do something with a, a Zoom with a bunch of fans and just have a little question answer kind of thing or like have the fans speak. Just give them a little support there and a little appreciation. I might invite some of our bigger fans on and see if we can. Um, kind the of... only other, the only other, I mean, I can do a podcast on my phone, right? Maybe I, I can know. do Zoom on my phone. Yeah, is there Wi-Fi? Do, do they have Wi-Fi in Lithuania? I mean, I have internet. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I how mean, the, we're in. A, I don't we're know how a, the we're world in a nice works. Hotel. I don't know. Okay, so I was gonna say I don't know how the world works outside of the U.S. But yeah, uh, um, yeah, I can probably record on my phone. But if not, dude, I, I'd be go ahead. I don't care. Okay. But uh, anyways, that wraps up wraps up the show here. You guys definitely stay interactive on Twitter. We just got to uh, let's see, fifteen thousand followers on Twitter which is a big number for more us than doubled. more than doubled this year. We didn't think it was going to grow this much, honestly, but uh, we'll be just interact with us on social media. Next podcast will be coming out maybe Sunday or Monday to preview the finals, recap the rest of the tournament there, but we appreciate all the support. Thanks again for helping us get those media passes. That was really cool to see. Um, other than that, you guys have fun watching some baseball. Dimitri, good luck in your tournament. And Appreciate will- you, and as always, it's been a pleasure. Always a pleasure. <laughs>